Understanding CBD, brought to you by Max and Stevens Premium Hemp Extracts. Baltimore is listening. This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Time now for Understanding CBD, brought to you by Max and Stevens Premium Hemp Extracts. Here's Max and Steven. Welcome into Understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. What's happening, Stephen Wallman? Beautiful day here. We're live in the studio today talking about medicinal plants and herbs. We're talking about herbal supplements today, Max, um, and what the future looks like if we keep our heads up our, you know what, you know? Yeah, I love herbal um, supplements. And reminding everybody, phone lines are open. You can call in and ask some questions of our guest or us at 410-922-6680. That's 410-922-6680. Give us a call. Noah, the engineer, is taking your questions. Uh, if we have time to get you on the air, we will. If not, it'll jot them down, and we'll get to them at the end for sure. Um, Max, tell us about your song choice today. Yeah, I had to pivot a little bit this week. I had something else chosen, but I decided to go with uh, ZZ Top because uh, Dusty Hill, one of the original founding members, actually passed away this past Wednesday. Um, He was uh, 72 years old. And uh, again, that song is ZZ Top, Sharp Dressed Man, 1983. And that's in honor of Dusty Hill. Rest in peace. Huge fan. Huge fan of ZZ Top. Which, uh, Which one was he? One of the guys with the beards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the original guys with the beards, actually. One of the original guys with the beards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, may he rest in peace. Thank yeah. you for that song, Max. I was trying to figure out how we get them into the playlist. They, they, so you know ZZ Top had to get into the playlist well, at some point. made you choose that song, Sharp Dressed Man, versus I, the other songs? Yeah, interesting, know? because we have a time limit on this show, and we have to make sure that we get the chorus <laughs> within a minute okay. in without giving too many instructions to know, but he did great. Right, so. I thought you were talking about me because I wore my shirt today. That's You're always a, little, a sharp dressed man, so a button down you don't need today. a song to remind you of that. Anyway, after the uh, special guest interview today, we're going to have another episode of Cannabis Investments. We're talking with a Baltimore entrepreneur this time, Stuart Berman um, of Blue Zipper. Fabrics with benefits. Fabrics with benefits. Perfect. That's right. And to find out what kind of benefits, you're going to have to stay tuned to uh, the last segment. And if you doze off for any reason during the segment, you can also catch up on replays, in audio, video. Max, how do they do that? Understandingcbd.com. There is a tab there for our show. You can catch all previous episodes there. Um, you can also catch uh, videos there as well. We are also on YouTube. Look up Understanding CBD, and as well as any podcast platform. Just look for Understanding CBD with Max and Stephen, and you got us. All right. And before we get to the news, Max, Hotline. and talk about our guest, I want to remind everyone that Max and Stevens uh, Premium Hemp Extracts is making this all possible, sponsoring the show. So stop at maxandstevens.com. Give them a call at 443-743-2444. You can also text that number. 
That's right. Always happy to help. And also a general reminder to everybody, don't take anything said on this program as professional, medical, legal, or financial advice. Never. So without any further ado, I'd like to talk about our special guest today. Her name is Susan Leopold. She's a PhD. And I'd like to give you a little information. Susan Leopold, uh, PhD, is the real-life Lorax. She's an ethnobotanist and passionate defender of biodiversity. Over the past 20 years, Susan has worked extensively with indigenous peoples in Peru and Costa Rica. She's the executive director of United Plant Savers and director of the Sacred Seeds Project. Prior to working at United Plant Savers, she worked as a librarian at the Oak Spring Garden Library, specializing in digitizing rare herbals and botanical travel manuscripts. She currently serves on the board of directors for Botanical Dimensions and the Center for Sustainable Economy. She's an advisory board member of the American Botanical Council, a proud member of the Padawomek Indian tribe, I hope I pronounced that right, of Virginia, and the author of the children's book, Isabella's Peppermint Flower, teaching about Virginia's botanical history. She lives on and manages a productive farm, the Indian Pipe Botanical Sanctuary, with her three children in Virginia, where she raises goats, peacocks, and herbs. She's an avid recreational tree climber and loved with the canopy just as much as the herbs of the forest floor. Susan, welcome to Understanding CBD. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome, Susan. We're so excited to talk with you today. And and at least our goal for today, because I know there's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about with you, is at least, um, you know, you really are, in my mind, the Lorax. You do speak for the trees. And I'd love to somehow get the, you know, a way to explain what they're saying to us out through to our audience, and then what we can do then in response, um, so then that we can let them know that we hear them. And, um, but before we get into all that, I'm really curious, when did you realize that you had these superpowers of communicating with plants, and that it's your mission to speak for them? Is this something that came later in life, or you know, do you think you were uh, born with this? I, I think we're all born with it. You know, I, I, I think we're all innately tuned in to um, plants in our environment. And I know for me, as a young child, um, I, I grew up uh, on the outskirts of Northern Virginia, and we had woods in our backyard, and I would go back there and, you know, make uh, – uh, mud pies and, and, and things like that as a kid, but we had this very special patch of um, uh, lady slippers. And to me, they were like fairies of the forest. It's a, a, a native orchid, and um, it uh, has a long historic medicinal property of the roots being used for um, helping calm the nervous system and, and help with sleeping. And I, I just fell in love with those plants, and I think I was about uh, probably in sixth grade, and I was asked by my science teacher to press plants and bring them in, and I brought the lady slippers um, in because they were my favorite uh, botanical that you know appeared in my forest in the spring, and that's when my teacher told me that I wasn't supposed to pick those plants because they were endangered, and it was like even at a young age, just to understand that like that that something that I loved and was so beautiful would be endangered. It was like, you know, I think that that set me off on my path. And and, um, even as a young child, I was just uh, incredibly connected to plants. And and probably like most of us, uh, I had severe asthma growing up as a child and was on a lot of pharmaceuticals. And as I became a teenager, I started to 
to learn about ginger and garlic and these other herbs that would that would help me so I wouldn't have to be on the antibiotics and prednisone and steroids and and so then that that kind of awoken me to like really uh, integrating the the healing journey of plants in my life and and then the next thing I know, I picked up Richard Evan Schulte's book, The Healing Forest. He was an ethno, Harvard ethnobotanist that studied in the Amazon, and and then I, I I found myself in the Amazon, and um and then I had this like big awakening that uh, actually native medicinal plants were just as endangered in North America as they are in the Amazon, and I I decided to kind of shift my focus, and and though I loved learning about um medicinal plants in the rainforest i i made my my life's work uh bringing awareness to actually the biodiversity of medicinal plants in north america which is really a hot spot on the planet i mean what we have in appalachia is is unique to any temperate uh climate in the world and uh, that that's my life's work is is making people aware of that and you took that life's work and then you you got your uh PhD dissertation in eth- let me get get this right dormant ethnobotany. So tell right. us a little bit about dormant ethnobotany, please. I mean, this is this is my own um, my own theory, and uh, you know, as plants cycle through dormant stages, um, especially in temperate climates, right? We go into this phase of winter, and then we have these spring ephemerals that appear in the spring. Um, my research really dove into. Uh, documenting the Bull Run Mountains in Virginia, which is the easternmost mountain range just west of Washington, D.C., and that's really where the coastal plains and the Blue Ridge ecosystem kind of shifts. And um, it's an incredible edge habitat for a a lot of um, unique species. And in uh, interviewing uh, a lot of the old-timers, people who, you know, uh, have lived in that mountain for generations, I began to to research when, when do we lose that disconnection and it can happen in just one generation probably our parents um, don't necessarily remember but our grandparents um, remember living closely um, uh, with their environment and uh, de- and dependent on um, the food they grew and the things they harvested um, so my my idea behind the concept of dormant ethnobotany, which I went into studying uh, how people use plants, like, oh, my God, we're losing this knowledge, like a really kind of negative perspective. But then I realized that we have this deeply connected relationship with plants inside each one of us, and it only takes... It takes one generation to lose it. It only takes one generation to gain it back. Thank God. And so, like, it's super hopeful to think of it in that perspective, right? We're all on this path of reconnecting that relationship with plants, and and we're going to see it happen really rapidly. And so this idea of dormant ethnobotany is the document that knowledge actually cycles through. And, And I'll just make one more point. So the Bull Run Mountains were really kind of like a refuge, right? It was where like all the indentured servants and 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 actually uh, people who were trying to escape slavery kind of migrated to the Bull Run Mountains because they could hide out there. But the indigenous people had already left. They had already moved further west at that time. So my point in this dissertation is that I studied how this group of people, some of them had come from Europe, some of them had come from Africa, 
form a very intact ethnobotanical relationship within just one generation. Mm. And we know that through the folklore that was collected in the 1940s during the Great Depression. There was a big movement, the willing, you know, the, 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 the effort to put people back to work. And, you know, we know about um, those that left and set up camps and building our national parks. But there was also a big movement in folklore. And so people were paid in the 1930s and 40s to go into rural communities and collect folklore. And within that folklore is this deep relationship with plants that was formed by people who were just forced into whatever circumstance they had in their life, ended up in the Bull Run Mountains connecting on a very deep and spiritual um, way with their environment that we often associate with only indigenous cultures. But yet, yet, you know, I'm a part of the Padawamak tribe. Thank you for acknowledging that. But um, we're all indigenous to this planet. And we all have the innate ability to have a deeply personal relationship with our environment that is not only um, you know, based on knowledge and usefulness, but also uh, deeply rooted in our spirituality. Well, Susan, that's fantastic. And you laid this <laughs> groundwork for us perfectly. When we get back, you're going to find out what she's talking about and how we can okay. make these things change, you know? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, Stay right with us. Okay. Understanding CBD with Max and Stephen on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. To understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. Hello there, Stephen Wallman. We're still here talking with Susan, Doctor Susan Leopold. That's right, ethnobotanist, and we're excited to talk about a lot of different things. Also, a children's book author, um, which is uh, one of my questions. Um, you know, you talked about the um, the older generation that's holding on to these treasures of the past. How this plant medicine um, is that? What made you want to write your book um, for children? to pass that through, or is there a different motivation there? Um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, John Clayton was a botanist in the late 1700s, and he documented the first floor of Virginia. And there was a big effort in the state of Virginia to redo the flora of Virginia, which is, is crazy to think about that the last book was several hundreds of years old. And that, that really speaks to this element I think we, we, um, we kind of touched on. It's just this idea of plant blindness, 
not really being uh, aware of the biodiversity and the biodiversity crisis. So the idea behind Isabella's Peppermint Flowers was to talk about, uh, it, it's, a, it's a simple children's book of me taking my children into the woods, teaching them about the native biodiversity and about the botanical characters that really um, solidified the botanical knowledge that we're building upon today. Um, Linnaeus, uh, who, who really defined our form of taxonomical classification, sent all these incredible individuals all around the world to collect botanical knowledge and information. And uh, I, I really see them kind of as um, bridge builders because people like John Clayton, Mark Catesby, um, I mean, I could, I could go on and on. These individuals uh, came to North America. They lived with indigenous people. They had an incredible respect of these individuals that they connected with. And then they, they documented our biodiversity. And that information was really the basis of um, eclectic herbalism. And eclectic herbalism is really the foundation of our herbal knowledge today. Um, it's really those individuals, and, and I would highlight the, the Lloyd Brothers, um, the Lloyd Library in Cincinnati. This is really where our knowledge of um, uh, cannabis and, and also our native biodiversity, medicinal plants from around the world, this knowledge was, was really the basis of, of herbal medicine that was in, incredibly instrumental um, in uh, healthcare in the United States from you know the early uh, the late 1600s to the 1700s and, and up until the Civil War. Yeah, so, and we want to get into a lot of this. And I had a question for you before we do. That was uh, the Grateful Dead Shakedown Street, also uh, Susan's suggestion there. Now the you play that music. I, I read somewhere that you play music for your plants as well. Um, does it make a difference? I believe so, 100%. I mean, I think plants, I think music is the universal language. Um, Kat Harrison, my mentor, who founded Botanical Dimensions, you know, uh, is, is quoted as saying every, every plant has a song, right? Every human has a song. And uh, the vibrational element of um, how music trans, transcends uh, the limitations of language, I mean, we're now understanding that, um, the environment, trees specifically. I mean, there's a there's a whole communication that's happening on a vibrational level. So absolutely, um, any any good grower uh, knows about the moon signs of um, how to germinate seeds according to um, the moon signs, and and they know that uh, if they want their plants to grow strong and happy, they got to play the music. Let's and I personally think plants prefer the Grateful Dead. <laughs> That's great. We should ask more plants, see what they prefer. Let's so let's talk. Yeah, about, let's talk about those vibrations. Let's talk about um, your organization, UPS, uh, not to be confused with the United Parcel Service, of course. Let's talk sure. about the United Plant Savers organization. Um, let's talk about what you're doing for them. Yeah, so United Plant Savers was founded by um, Rosemary Gladstar, who is, is some people consider kind of the grandmother of the resurgence of herbal medicine. Um, so kind of how I spoke about the eclectic knowledge and information that, you know, built over hundreds of years, but then we had kind of the conflict 
and struggle between allopathic medicine and eclectic medicine and allopathic medicine kind of persevered but then we had this resurgence that came out of the back to land movement in the 1960s and 70s and and rosemary was really uh instrumental in um teaching herbalism and and still active today is that her real name it is a real name. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we have Rosemary and, Gladstone. Uh, it seems like, you know, yeah. she's born yeah. for this, right? Rosemary Gladstar. Rosemary Gladstar. Gladstar, yeah. Well, I even met her. <laughs> <laughs> um, she is a light beam. She is a fairy on the planet. Um, and uh, I, enc- I encourage those who haven't heard of her just to dive in. She's written numerous books and, and has an online class that you can take. But anyways, she really brought herbalists, growers, wildcrafters, um, those that were starting herbal companies, and they were concerned with the increase in, in uh, people turning to herbal medicine, where these plants were coming from, how they were being harvested from their wild environments. And what a lot of people don't realize, because the herb trade is very underground, most of the medicinal plants and herbal supplements are wild harvested, meaning that they're not intentionally grown, that they're harvested by individuals um, out of wild environments, whether it be from the forest or uh, all all different types of environments, these plants are are harvested by individuals. And so that is uh, the mission of United Plant Savers is the conservation of native medicinal plants that are uh, in the herbal trade industry. It sounds like that sounds like a program that the government should be running and that the government should be having something that protects these medicinal... Everybody knows the government is always looking out for our best benefit, wink, wink, you know? So so what's the story there? Yeah, the story, you know, it kind of goes back to this idea of plant blindness. I think we take things that come from the environment um, kind of for free. And I'm not sure. That's something I'm, I'm definitely advocating for is... Uh, more involvement with government agencies um, to in, engage in, in the herbal plant trade. But like I said, it, it's, it's very underground. Um, it's uh, annually a, a $6 billion industry that's growing anywhere from 5 to 15% every year. Some of the most um, valued wild traded medicinal plants in North America saw palmetto harvested the berries out of Florida. It's probably number three or four in the herbal supplements. Um, black cohosh, uh, it's also in the top 10. And uh, maybe one that you don't think about much, slippery elm. Um, that's in, in an enormous amount of products. That's a tree where they use the inner bark. It goes into your cough surfs, your cough drops. And, um, and then certainly one plant that we're extremely famous for in North America is American ginseng. Um, so, so these are plants. Uh, our United Plant Savers kind of emblematic plant is is golden seal. Um, that is is another uh, woodland botanical um, that has hydrastine in it. It's an it's incredibly potent um, antibiotic. It's it's one of the few plants that um, is uh, effective against um, these superbugs. So really, you know. Uh, I'm not to to discredit pharmaceutical medicine. I think we've made a lot of incredible advancements, but most of the pharmaceutical industry is based off of plant medicine. We know the willow tree made aspirin. I mean, I could just go on and on. Taxol, the taxol yew tree, um, rosy periwinkle for uh, leukemia. 
I mean, you know, our, our pharmacopoeia is is the plant world. It's it's an an, an incredible uh, ally to um, humans, and medicinal plants have have been our form of healthcare for you know twenty five thousand years. Yeah. So right? this is so. interesting here. So. Um, and it's a great work you're doing for a lot of these medicinal plants. Now, yeah. Max and I, we, we primarily work with the cannabis plant. Um, yeah. I mean, I take a ton of supplements and herbal supplements uh, outside of this, but one of the major ones is obviously cannabis. Where I know cannabis is not endangered, um, and it's not in the same category as the plants that you deal with with your organization, but um, there are some things that we should look out for with cannabis. What's, where's the connection from to cannabis to the rest of the herbal plants? Because it seems to stand out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, as we know, I mean, cannabis is an, an incredible medicinal plant, and it has such a diverse range of cannabinoids that we're just trying to understand. We're also realizing that we have this cannabinoid system within our bodies, but certainly there's there's a whole whole range of issues, right? I mean, there's the element of how the cannabis is grown, how the cannabis is processed, you know, who is working um, in the cannabis industry and and how those individuals are treated. All these things are, are deeply interrelated. I also think there's an incredible uh, synergistic relationship between um, cannabis and, and other medicinal herbs. I mean, lemon balm is, is one that comes to mind. So we're, we're, we're seeing the ability of, of cannabis, um, you know, to really be kind of a, uh, a potentizer. It, 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 it amplifies the effect of other medicinal plants in our, um, in our, in our, in our bodies. And that's through, you know, the, the, the deeply complex cannabinoid system, right? So that that certainly is an element. I think another element that I, I'd like to bring awareness to is the cannabis industry is, is making a, an incredible amount of money. It's, it's doing really well in all these different capacities. And yet, you know, we're losing plant biodiversity at, you know, uh, an unprecedented rate. So how can we how can we kind of channel that energy into what cannabis is bringing um, to communities and to economies and, and, and use that momentum to educate people about plant biodiversity in general and, and medicinal plants. Um, uh, so we really need to kind of use this. Get on the bandwagon, right? Jump on yeah, the yeah, tailcoats of this cannabis you know. plant. Get moving. Yeah, right. The gateway drug. Like you, you come across this plant, you realize how potent it is. Well, guess what? There's like a whole... You know, it doesn't uh, Golden Seal help clean up your urine if you have a urinalysis? <laughs> what? I'm it doesn't sorry, Golden that. Seal, Golden um, Seal cl- like if you're having a urinalysis uh, and you want to get rid of the THC I mean, in your system? Right. I mean, that, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I really, I think that's what happened, right? That, that rumor really spread quickly, and, and that turned a lot of people on to Golden Seal, and it created a lot of issues in the supply chain. Uh. I don't know that there's really much to back that up. I would not recommend um, taking golden seal. I think there's other things to do. I just drink a lot of water. Yeah, good. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up. We need, to, we need to take another quick break here, Susan. Stay with us. Everyone stay with us. We're going to come back with some of your questions right after these messages. Shake down street. Stay with us.
And now more of Understanding CBD with Max and Stephen on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Hello, everybody, and welcome back in to Understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. Aloha, Stephen Walton. Mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're here coming at the end of our time together today. We're with Susan Leopold, Dr. Susan Leopold, Executive Director of United Plant Savers. And, uh, Susan, i got to ask you, other than delivering packages for UPS <laughs> and delivering plants, um, what do you do with your time? What do you do in your free time? We can't oh, we hear can't him, hear Noah. You. No, we can't hear her. No, we can't hear. Can you talk, um, Susan? We can't hear you for some reason. Yeah, it's not the Zoom part. It's uh, it's on the radio side. Susan, say something. No, no, well, we don't no, have her she on. No, can't. Uh, all right. Noah's, Noah's fumbling in the back there, Sorry, Susan. Susan. We normally have a, a song for him to bring us back in, so maybe that got him a little bit uh, frustrated. Right, yeah. Susan, Susan, can you try hi. to say hello now? There we go. There we go. Okay. Let me ask you this question again, Susan. I was really wondering, when you're not saving the plants and the planet with uh, your executive director work at uh, United Plant Savers, what else do you do with your time? Well, I'm actually in Atlanta catching fish. Oh, nice. So you're literally doing something today. Uh, that's awesome. But I do, but, but, but you know, I'm, I'm really busy because I have a farm, I have a tree house on Airbnb, and I, I, I have three teenagers. So, um, wow. What kind of things are you doing on your farm? Are you growing hemp there? I am growing hemp. Um, I, I have been growing cannabis now for three years um, since Virginia opened it up, which has been really amazing. And, and I actually have four plants because now individuals can grow four cannabis plants. So that's super exciting. I have three Anatolian dogs, a herd of goats, a couple of peacocks, lots of chickens, and um, and then three teenagers and, and, a, and a trillium treehouse that you can uh, commune with nature in. And, and uh, yeah, so I'm on Hip Camp and Airbnb, and so I, I stay pretty busy. You mentioned you had an apothecary there too, right? Yeah, and I have the Paris Apothecary in uh, Paris, Virginia, and uh, on the web you can... Also, um, check out my cannabis product, which uh, is um, a CBD tincture that I grow organically on my farm, and also some uh, spigeric herbal formulations that uh, I've created through um, collaboration with Evolved Alchemy out in Colorado. Okay. All right. Now, you know, we're going to have to talk about the spigeric word. We can't just throw it out here to our listeners. And, you know, I know that some will do the research, but um, for those that don't, Susan, can you tell us a little about spigeric? Um, yeah. Spigeric is uh, an, an, an incredible old form of alchemy. And uh, you see a little bit uh, kind of used in the Steiner preparations of biodynamic farming. But basically, and I'm going to make it real simple here because we could spend the whole hour talking about it, but what you do is you do a traditional tincture. Um, and after you tincture and, and strain the plant material, you take that plant material and you burn it on low heat down to an ash. And what you're left with is the actual salt content and mineral content of the plant material. And then you add those salts and minerals back into uh, the tincture, and then you tincture that, and then strain it, and then you're left with a spigeric extraction of the cannabis and plant material. And uh, after um, the 
all the plant material has been spigerically extracted, then that is applied um, to a base of uh, grapefruit rind, and then that's encapsulized. So you're getting um, the spigeric formulation of the plant into the grapefruit, which is a great carrier and, and uh, also helps your digestive system kind of absorb that spigeric extraction. So it really is, when you talk about full spectrum, I mean, this is really the full spectrum. Hmm, medicine. Interesting. We're and, not- and so really what, you, what you're looking at, because plants are not just the alkaloid content, right? Plants also have these salts and minerals which really have an, an incredible benefit to, um, to the human body. Now, Susan, we're, we're in a precarious time right now because people's immune systems are compromised, especially with the Absolutely. coronavirus, et cetera. Um, what are some accessible herbal medicines that people can grow themselves to help? I think lemon balm is the plant that everybody should be growing. I mean, lemon balm, you know, you plant it, it grows, you can make tea out of it, you can tincture it. It uplifts the spirit, but it's also an incredible antiviral. Um, so really, uh, the plant world is full of antivirals. So, you know, another really simple thing everybody should be doing, grow time. It's now the time for time. Time is another incredible antiviral. You can grow it in your window seal, and you can just put it in your food. You can make tea out of it. I mean, so these are, you know, just two simple, really simple herbal um, uh, things that you can grow and, and incorporate into your daily routine. Three, to be um, clear. Thyme, lemon balm, and yeah. cannabis. You forgot yeah. cannabis. <laughs> I know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, people are going through a really stressful time, right? So I think you want to think about Nervines, you know, passionflower, um, valerian, um, kava, you know, we, we really want to support the nervous system because we're dealing with a lot of stress. And another really big one is adaptogens. Um, certainly, American ginseng is, is an incredible Yeah, adaptogen. we're going to have to take that on another show here, Susan. <laughs> My goodness. I wish I could fit everything in here, but we're going to have to have another show we just for Susan. Yeah. So if you're up for that, Susan, we're going to be reaching out to you again and, and talk again. But I want to thank you for coming here today and talking to us about plants and your love for plants. Uh, the show is sponsored by Max and Stevens. Right after this break, we do have our cannabis investment segment, so do, do stay with us. Um, but if you want to call Max and Stevens, it's 443-743-2444, and you can uh, get in touch with Susan Howe. Org. We have a tremendous amount of resources. We encourage people to join as membership, but that's um, fully altruistic. All of our information is online. All right. And uh, dive deep. Check it out. Thank you so much. Thank we'll you be so right much. back with something special. more of Understanding CBD with Max and Steven on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. And welcome back in to Understanding CBD. Hello there, Max Sobel. Hello there, Stephen Wallman. And this is our cannabis investment segment created with the support of our media partner, 
Hemp Today. Check them out at hemptoday.net. We are connecting investors to businesses that are shaping the industry. So if you own a business and are raising capital, if you're an investor looking for an opportunity, you'll want to call or text us at 443-743-2444, and we'll we'll be happy to make that connection. Today, we're bringing you yoga pants. But of course, not just any yoga pants, ladies and gentlemen. These yoga pants are made out of hemp. Uh, Blue Zipper is the name of the company, and the man in charge is Stuart Berman. He's an entrepreneur, designer, and fabric producer. Stuart, welcome to Understanding CBD Cannabis Investment Segment. Hey, thanks for having me today. Yeah, it's good to see you, Stuart. i got to ask you a first question. Um, what's your motivation to begin this company? Um, it's a long story. Um, I actually wrote a paper in college on the legalization of marijuana, so I've been a fan of hemp since my college days and not a fan of polyester. So when (laughs) hemp is starting to become more readily available, we looked a way to use it. Uh, So we're using it with other technology to produce a fabric that's comparable to a synthetic. So it's a viable alternative to the current polyester fabrics. And... What most people don't realize is the current polyester fabrics pollute our water every time you wash them. So the statistics are about one-third of ocean plastic is from our apparel. And so that's kind of our motivation to reduce plastic pollution, uh, use hemp, which is a sustainable fabric, and offer consumers products that they still want. Now, Stuart, why yoga pants specifically? Why do your yoga pants stand out from the rest? Uh, we picked yoga pants because we found that women tend to wear them for hiking, for yoga, obviously, and just every day. It's a versatile product that uh, can be used for different uh, for different activities, from uh, athletics to just lounging around the house. And it's a nice foray into the fem- fem- feminine market. Now, the fabric that you're using for the yoga pants, is this um, a fabric that's just unique, unique to you guys? Yeah, so the fabric is only produced uh, when we make it. So we we are trying to raise capital right now to do our first production run. Uh, we know from early testing that the material will, will perform the level we expect it to. And so we have to meet a lot of minimums to get this off the ground. Now, and that's why we're raising money these days. Perfect. So how can the listeners directly support you? So we do have a website, which we are pre-selling our leggings. So we're selling them at a discounted rate. Uh, we're making the fabric in the United States, and we're producing them in the United States. And they're going to be $76 shipped to your door. So it's free shipping in the United States. Uh, we will be shipping to Canada, but there is a fee for that. So right now, only the United States and Canada will be able to get our pants. So this is a pre-sale that's on your website that you currently have, right? Correct. What about uh, what about additional investments? Uh, we are trying to raise from outside investors about fifty thousand dollars, and that money will be used for uh, obviously producing our first run of fabric, the small production run, and then the remainder for marketing and promotion. And that should get us into the markets. So people know that we're what we do and what we're about. Now, the yoga pants, I'm going to take a, one question about the yoga pants, because um, a lot of people are very spe- specific about these things. And um, do they have pockets? They do. We design them. Uh, a lot of the stuff we design is more for functionality. Uh, it's comfort, fit, functionality, 
And so we have two side seam pockets, and we actually designed it with three center back pockets. Uh, and the pockets won't have any, um, if you're doing yoga, you won't even know the pockets are there, but if you're hiking and need them, you'll have them when you need them. All right, now back to the investment, just real quick. So other than the actual cash, are you looking for any other skill sets in a potential investor? Uh, marketing is probably our strongest skill set we're looking for. So uh, investors who have a marketing and promotion background, that would be top of the list. Uh, we have, I can handle production and development of the product I've made clothes in the past, and so I understand that completely. It's just kind of letting people know who we are. Uh, and what we do, and we did, and we named the name Blue Zipper uh, after the planet, you know, the blue planet, and Zipper just represents apparel. And we changed the U and U to a V, so it's blue with B L V E Zipper. Is that is that like is your name spelled S T V R T instead of the U? You know, it's funny. <laughs> you, you should know, start spelling it that way. <laughs> I, I, you know, I should talk to my parents about that. They they should have been a lot more forward thinking when they named me. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we our website's Blue Zipper with a B B L V E Zipper dot com, and you know you can direct message me. Uh, you can email me through the website. We have Instagram, Facebook. You can direct message me through all those platforms if you have questions and want to connect. Investors too can reach out to you that way as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You have other materials in those uh, uh, leggings other than the hemp. I, I think you mentioned another material. What's that? So the, the leggings are are made out of what's going to be three different yarns. It's going to be hemp, which we calculate about 10% um, in this pair. We plan to add um, hemp uh, in a greater quantity in other styles. Uh, but to create a quick-drying, moisture-wicking material, we could we have to balance the technology. So it's going to be about... 10% hemp. We're going to have about 6% of what's called Serona fiber, and that is a plant-based uh, stretch yarn. And so 37% of that yarn is actually plant-based, and the remainder is going to be cotton with a patented moisture-wicking technology. And that's going to be woven a certain weight and weave to uh, compete with polyester synthetics. Yeah, I know you know a lot about fabric, Stuart, but I know I don't, and I don't think our listeners know much. But when you talk about polyesters and, and you talk about your fabric with these benefits, what are typical fabrics made out of? I mean, what's the problem? It's made out of plastic? Where does that come from? Why is that a problem? So polyester and nylon, they're all oil-based products. Made of oil? So they're oil. They're oh. all made out of oil. And so what happens is when you throw them in the wash, and, and they don't even really talk about the dryer. People talk more about the wash, but ironically, when you throw them in the dryer, your dryer lint is actually little pieces of plastic, and you're actually shooting it into the atmosphere. And when you wash it, you shed microplastic into our waterways, and when you calculate all that shedding, it equates to about one-third of ocean plastic. Uh, it's making its way into our food system, into our water system, and they've calculated today almost 90% of U.S. tap water has plastic in it. Oof. So we consume about a credit card worth of plastic a week at this point. So, Stu Stuart, thank you. 
Stewart, thank you very much. We're actually running out of time. We want to thank you for joining our show. We want to thank Susan Leopold. We want to thank Noah in the booth. Great job today, Noah, as always. Stephen, thank you for making a fantastic show. Let's thank our sponsors, Max and Stevens Premium Hemp Extracts. Pick up a bottle, pick up a roll-on. MaxandStevens.com. Call or text 443-743-2444. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. Take care.